Today on TechNATO, we'll be talking with Taylor Brown of Microsoft. He's on the virtualization team and is going to let us know what's coming out in Server 2019, as well as the future of containers at Microsoft. That's all coming up on TechNATO, starting right now. Hello and welcome to TechNATO. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I'm joined, as always, by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing today? I am excited. Yeah, we got a, another great interview lined up for the podcast. I love it when we do the interview segments. We get to learn a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, and we, we've kind of gone back to the well again. It's uh, seemed to just be a great resource for us. Um, a couple months ago, we sent uh, Cherokee Boos and Mike Roderick, a couple of the entertainers here, down to the Microsoft Ignite show. We were able to have a booth there as well and, and meet some really interesting people. But of those people that we met, we also talked to a lot of people uh, that work for Microsoft, and so we're able to get some insights into the team. And, and today, we're talking with someone there who uh, is, is working on some technologies that are pretty near and dear to your heart, it sounds like. Absolutely. And we got lucky to be able to interview the, uh, well, well, we'll talk about his title later, but uh, someone high up in the virtualization teams over at Microsoft. And they've been involved in the project since the, the, the early days of Microsoft's virtualization push, which is you know, 18 years ago or something. Uh, so it's neat to talk to somebody who sees not only where Microsoft's been, where Microsoft's at, but also where Microsoft is going as far as virtualization, containers, and other things. So I'm excited for the interview. We'll get a, an idea of kind of what to expect in 2019. All right, well, wait no longer. Let's go ahead and jump over that interview now uh, with Taylor uh, from the virtualization team. That's coming up right after this on TechNATO. I'm James Packer. I'm the general manager of Kirk ISS based in the Cayman Islands. I used IT Pro TV extensively in my last place. It grew very well, helped upskill the team. I had 110 engineers in the field and we had dozens of IT Pro accounts with the guys training. And last year alone, they passed over 40 certs by using the online training. I think I can safely say um, without IT Pro TV, I wouldn't be where I was today because I only got this job on the back of the qualifications I have. Welcome back to TechNATO, and as promised, we have an interview with someone that uh, one of our edutainers met at the Ignite conference down in Orlando recently. Uh, we have Taylor Brown coming to us all the way from the West Coast, and Taylor, you are the lead PM manager over at Microsoft, so uh, uh, welcome to the show, first of all. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. We were having a little fun with your title before, so you're, you're the lead PM manager, so you're the product manager manager, so the manager of other product managers, is that correct? Program managers. Program managers. Program See, managers. I know that yeah. I knew I'd mess it up. Yeah. So yeah. so tell us a little bit about your team and 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 the people that you work yeah. with. Yeah, so our team uh, is responsible for Hyper-V and for uh, Windows containers. Uh, and basically what my team of uh, program managers does is goes out, talks to customers, internal customers, external customers, uh, partners, uh, and we figure out what are the, the right features to build, what's the business priority around them, um, how do we bring them to market, how do we align all the things together, uh, and then we deliver the kind of requirements down to our engineering team, work with them on uh, building that feature out, and then go out and evangelize it when it's, uh, when it's done and shipped. Um, so pretty fun job. Yeah, Get sounds to do like a lot of stuff. Well, I, I, uh, how did you get into this role? Because I know, I mean, containers have just been something we've been talking about for four or five years. But uh, but you've you've been at Microsoft for uh, 
looks like over 10 years. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, so um, I've been on the same team at Microsoft my entire uh, 10 years, so actually almost 15 years this January. Um, and I kind of came to Microsoft a little bit by accident and a little bit on uh, on purpose. So when I was a, a younger kid, I grew up in Colorado, uh, always into computers, taking computers apart, putting them back together, playing around with stuff. Um, and I'd always had this kind of idea that, man, it'd be really cool to go work for Microsoft. Um, and our family moved from Colorado to Bellevue, Washington, right next to Redmond, uh, when I was in high school. And, you know, I went through high school, still playing around with computers, doing a lot of, uh, a lot of tech kind of stuff, but then it started into uh, business school. And the company I was working for uh, sold hardware to Microsoft. And so that ended up being my job was to sell computer hardware to Microsoft to make a commission on it. Uh, and this was the days right before like Compaq and Dell really started to, to come out of the, the woodwork. Uh, and basically overnight, uh, Compaq and Dell just undercut what we could sell uh, hardware to, to Microsoft for, and the company went out of business. And so I was left with no job and uh, tuition payments due. Uh, so I went to the people I'd been working with at Microsoft and said, hey, you guys have a job for me? You know, <laughs> something I can do? Uh, and they hooked me up and, and got me into a contract position working on power management uh, and USB and Firewire for uh, Windows XP. Uh, so I did that for about a year um, and kind of got into it. I, I thought it was pretty fun. Started doing more programming. Um, that summer, instead of taking summer classes, I went and got my Microsoft Certified Application Developer Certificate in .NET, uh, C Sharp uh, 1.1, um, and came back to work on the Microsoft SmartWatch project. Uh, got to ship that, and then I joined this brand new team called the Virtual Machines team. Uh, they had, Microsoft had just acquired this company called Connectix, um, and we were going to go work on virtualization technology. Um, and I've been there ever since. So uh, that team then turned into the Hyper-V team. Um, and I went from a development uh, role into a program management role uh, seven or eight years ago. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we moved into working on containers. And I got to, to lead the container effort. Um, and that's, that's where we got into containers. You know, I, we certainly want to talk about containers, but as you were telling your story, I, you know, I, I was involved with Microsoft a decent bit during a, a lot of what you were describing there, and I remember, uh, I remember the Connectix acquisition and that that product, Microsoft Virtual, uh, it was a Virtual Server 2005, I think, that came out where it was. Oh, you you have it on your shelf, nice. Yeah. So, um, you know. What was that like? Because I remember the big shift over to Hyper-V, where it was like, hey, we're just going to abandon this other product completely and, and yeah. redo everything from scratch. Like, what, what was that like? That was a big decision. Um, so we had had a, we had a, it was a fairly small team at that point. Um, and we did a team offsite to this, like, cabin in a, at a park down the road from the, the campus. And it was like a shanty cabin. Um, and got everybody together and said, okay, we're going to plan this new thing. Um, you know, we're part of the Windows team now. We have this great opportunity. Um, if we want to go compete with VMware, and that was the, the real goal at the time, uh, we need to do something more drastic and radical. Uh, and so here we go. We've got license. What would we build if we could build anything we wanted? Um, and so we sat around for a day and kind of sketched out, 
pieces of that. And so like my, my little working group worked on what would the management platform look like? And so we decided, you know, maybe we should move from Calm to WMI. Um, and, you know, maybe we should move from this configuration format to that configuration format and kind of figured out what's the roadmap for this thing look like? How do we build something like that? Um, and then we just started building it. Um, and the, the schedule may have been a little aggressive. Um, and we may have, you know, may have bitten off a little more than we could chew. But as a team, we kind of pulled together and we, we came out with a V1 that had about half the features that we had thought orig- originally would. Um, and... And we did it in a pretty remarkable amount of time, uh, in in hindsight, um, largely because everybody worked really hard on it. Um, and you know, I look back on those pretty fondly because it was it was pretty crazy to to think back on what we actually did and the amount of time we did it with the people we had, uh, the number of people. Yeah, I, I remember thinking at the time, like obviously there was this acquisition. Microsoft had invested a lot of money and effort into that platform to then switch and create a whole new platform from the ground up. It's, it's yeah. a lot of risk. We, we look back on it now, and obviously it was the right decision. Like Hyper-V is a, a phenomenal product. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you could have gotten to where you are now still on the virtual server platform. Uh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not at the scale of, I mean, every, every node in Azure runs Hyper-V. Like that, it is our virtualization platform. Um, the Hyper-V hypervisor, the basis of it runs on every Xbox. It runs on almost every PC in the world. Uh, I mean, that that scale, that applicability, the way that we've been able to use it is, has been pretty broad and powerful. All right, so let's kick that up a notch and, and move that over to containers, right? Now, in the yeah. container world, same kind of thing, or, or maybe it's not, but we hear this different terminology. Uh, there are Windows containers. There are yep. Docker containers. There's Hyper-V containers. Are, are those all the same things, or are we dealing with more than one platform, and we're kind of shaking out which one is, is the winner? What's going on they, there? They, they really are the same thing. So, um you know, Docker really is a, a tool set for building and managing containers. Um, it's really a container manager at, at kind of the end of the day. Um, the way that, that Docker kind of came to be is they found some uh, some features in the Linux kernel that they combined in a fairly unique way to bring some um, some real value to uh, developers building applications and, and distributing them and shipping them. And it was really combining uh the, the C groups technology in Linux, what a lot of people referred to as containers at the time, with file system redirection and some other uh, namespacing tools in order to create this kind of packaging format with a real goal of saying it's completely immutable and it's highly reliable going from one machine to another machine. Um, and that's really what Docker was. Now, at the time, Windows didn't have all of the right pieces to make that same technology work um, in in a in a meaningful way or a uniform way, um, we had parts of it. We'd actually had a very similar thing to job object or to C groups called job objects that we built uh, really like NT4, uh, but they didn't have all the right pieces to them. We didn't have the file system redirection. We didn't have some of the network isolation. We didn't have a lot of those kind of pieces uh, to go with it. So that meant that Docker containers were really became synonymous with Linux. Um, and that there really wasn't an equivalent technology on Windows. Um, and originally, when we started on the project, our goal was to build something that kind of competed with Docker. That was our original, when we set out on it, day one, it was like, hey, let's go compete against this Docker thing. Um, and that was really a naive point in time. 
we didn't really understand what Docker was yet. Uh, we didn't really understand the the customer goals, the business goals. And I talked about earlier how that's kind of our job is to go figure out what do customers need, what does a business need, how do we bring those together. When we started doing that, we realized that our customers liked the Docker tool set. Um, and they really wanted the ability to run that same tool set and have kind of the same experience on Windows. They didn't want to abandon their Windows apps. They loved the apps that they had built. They had invested you know, years and, and blood, sweat, and tears into building those apps. They just wanted to manage them better and deploy them better. Uh, and so the right answer really was to go figure out how to partner with uh, Docker um, and make that same technology available to Windows customers. Um, and that ultimately ended up being a, a great exploration into open source because it wasn't partnering with Docker. It was partnering with the Docker community. Docker was just the company in front of the community. And so it was really us joining that community and saying, hey, we, we want to go make the same cool technology work on Windows, and we're going to contribute the code to do it. Um, and we're going to work with you on on bridging the gaps between the Linux experience and the Windows experience. Um, and, and that was a, a really a phenomenal experience. Um, probably one of the things that in my career I will, certainly one of the things I look back on now as being the most kind of proud of, I think one of the things I'll look back on long term. Yeah, you know, you mentioned like competing against Docker. And when you said that, I started thinking, wait a minute, because you guys seem to be pretty buddy-buddy with, with Docker. Yeah. And, um, and and correct me if I'm wrong here, with Windows, uh, aren't you, don't you like automatically get a license for Docker Enterprise when you're running on the Windows platform? Yep. Yeah, so we, um, so as we, you know, finished the work with the Docker community, uh, Docker Incorporated, the company kind of behind Docker, um, had become pretty pretty close partners. Uh, and we realized we had a really good, great opportunity to provide the kind of Windows experience that, that our uh, customers expect. So they expect to be able to call 1-800-MICROSOFT and get support if they, if they have a problem. Um, and now all of a sudden, we've got this open source technology that's not quite the same way. And how do we bridge that gap for our, for our customers? Uh, so we were able to, to work with Docker, Inc., and, uh, and strike a deal to provide their enterprise-supported uh, Docker engine at no additional charge to any Windows Server customer. Um, and so today you go install Windows Server 2016, or now 2019, as we just released that. And when you install Docker, you get the enterprise-supported Docker engine. You can still call Microsoft. We take the call. We work with Docker on the back end. Um, it's just like the experience you would have if you were installing Hyper-V. Now I, I've worked with Docker a good bit, but always in the Linux world. It, it you know, I, I, I'm pretty heavily involved yeah. with the Linux systems here at, at ITPro TV, and uh, I know Microsoft's partnered up. You have Windows containers now. Um, I believe they're all running Windows Nano. Is that correct? Is that the the container platform? We have Nano Server, Server Core, and we just uh, with Server 2019 introduced the Windows image. Uh, so just like with Docker, you can run, you know, uh, Alpine or Ubuntu or CentOS on really any kernel. Um, on the Windows side, if you install Windows Server 2019, you can run the Windows image, which is like full full Windows. You can run Server Core, or you can run uh, Nano Server, all three images on that same OS. Yeah, you know, back last December, uh, we do our, our tech predictions for the year, things that are going to happen in 2019, and or in, well, 2018 back then. Uh, and I had made a prediction. I said, look, containers are really ramping up. Everybody's moving forward. Microsoft is, is eating it up. Uh, I bet Microsoft releases their own supported version of Linux in 2018. 
well, it's October. We're, we're ticking down the months. We're running out of time. I don't think that's going to happen in 2018 anymore. And I was surprised to see the support for Windows in a containerized environment ramp up so much this year that I guess you yeah. could argue you don't really need a Microsoft-branded Linux at that point. Um, well, and we have done work within, uh, within the uh, Windows platform to support Linux containers on Windows. Uh, so my team also owns the Windows subsystem for Linux, uh, as well as our Linux container support. Um, and the way that we've provided that is that we use this Hyper-V isolation technology that we originally built for Windows containers. And we originally built it for, for running containers in Azure. So imagine uh, we're, you're running uh, two functions, one provided by Coke and one provided by Pepsi, and you want to run them on the same server. And you have to assume that one of the two of them is trying to steal the secrets of the other. Uh, you just have to, to make that assumption. Uh, and there's just been too many kernel breakouts uh, for us to, to be able to say confidently to both of them, we guarantee your data. We guarantee that, that we can run this isolated. So we built this VM technology where we run the container inside of the VM. Um, now, so that may sound familiar to some people. Kata containers in the Linux space have done similar uh, things recently, kind of following the same model. Um, that work allowed us to also run a Linux kernel inside of that little VM and then run a Linux container inside of it. So it even further allows us to bridge the gap between uh, Linux and Windows, cats and dogs, pigs flying, all of those things. Yep, now um, the Windows subsystem for Linux, I'm glad you mentioned I I really enjoy that. I, I, haven't, I haven't used yeah. it much in a production environment, but like on my own personal machine, I use it literally every single day. Uh, I use it for a lot of different things. Is that considered production ready at this point or is that still a, a work yep. in progress? It's always going to be kind of an ongoing uh, effort, like many things in, in Windows are, right? In TFS, we continue to add new features to, even though it was built in, uh, you know, the 80s, right? Um, we're always working on Windows Subsystem for Linux, but it is production supported. We actually do include it with server as well. Uh, on the server side, it's really meant for kind of a tooling admin kind of mode as opposed to running like a SQL database or a MySQL database. Um, we'd still recommend that be run through kind of the native port. Um, but let's say you wanted to log into your server core machine and fire up your favorite uh, text editor, party on. Uh, that's why it's there. All right, so we're talking with Taylor Brown, uh, Principal PM uh, Manager at Microsoft, and I wanted to ask you, for maybe those that weren't at Ignite, can you uh, can you tell us a little bit about Windows Server 2019, uh, maybe what's new? Yeah. Uh, I know we mentioned it a couple times, but uh, you know, maybe not everyone's up to date. There's a ton new, and I'm, I'm already going through the mental list and realizing I'm going to forget stuff as I go. <laughs> so I apologize to my, my colleagues and peers if I forget your technology as we go through it. Um, obviously, near and dear to me is containers. Um, in a lot of ways, this is kind of our V2 of containers. We've had a couple of releases that we call semi-annual channel releases in between uh, server 2016 and 2019 that added some core little pieces of functionality. But this is kind of a big roll-up of all of that into a long-term supported release. Um, so smaller images, better performance, uh, a lot of work to support Kubernetes going forward. Um, that's just kind of the container side of it. Um, and we've got a blog with a full list of all of it um, on the Windows Server blog. Um, on, the, uh, on the broader sense, uh, a lot of work going into software-defined. Uh, so both software-defined storage uh, with our SDDC uh, solution, so hyper-converged, uh, two-node, four-node, you know, six, eight, uh, as large as you need to, to get to, um, with great throughput, low price point, uh, 
um, you know, really going after uh, those kind of environments and markets, uh, as well as the networking side. So the ability to support, you know, hybrid and software-defined networking, um, a lot of, of cool stuff around interconnects with Azure. Uh, so Azure File Sync uh, for bringing files and copying them back and forth and keeping things in sync with the cloud. Uh, so for people who are doing hybrid cloud solutions now, it's a great opportunity for them. Um, we've done some really great things with our management platform. Uh, so uh, the Windows Admin Center, WAC, uh, used to be called Project Honolulu, uh, provides a, a great web-based management platform uh, for, for Windows Server. Um, Hyper-V continues to, we continue to, to do uh, a lot of work in Hyper-V. Um, a lot of it at, at this point is things that we do in, in Azure first, and then we bring them on-prem. Um, through through Windows Server, um, so you'll see things like better performance and scalability and and whatnot uh, that come and light up through through Hyper V. Um, so those are just a couple of the top marquee areas that I'll uh, mention. Security also is another one that we've worked a lot on. Um, and again, I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of things because it's such a laundry list of of great features in Server 2019. Let, let, let's talk real quick about some of the things that are coming down the line. Um, I know earlier this year, uh, Microsoft SQL was released uh, where it could actually be run inside of a container, which was a pretty yep. impressive feat. Are we going to see more of the services from Microsoft, like maybe, I don't know, Exchange or SharePoint or, or other products like that, where they're able to run inside of containers as well? Is there any roadmap for that? Yeah, I mean, so the, the kind of approach that we've taken with most of the product lines is try to figure out where does it make, make sense. So SQL is an obvious one. You're building an application, SQL is a part of that application. The goal, the intent is to deploy the whole app uh, and be able to scale it out. We start to get into some of the other application platforms uh, like Exchange or SharePoint, um, and it's a little harder to kind of rationalize how those would, would look in a container deployment environment just based on the way that they're, they're generally deployed. Um, SharePoint makes a little more sense. I could see for developer kind of scenarios around that, that might be interesting. Uh, the Dynamics team has done something pretty interesting. They've released uh, container images of Dynamics. And the real scenario for them is for developers who are building Dynamics connectors and testing them out and getting them ready uh, that are ultimately going to bring them into the cloud platform. It's a way for them to run it locally on their machine. Um, so we're certainly seeing those kind of experiences come around. Our entire IoT platform with all of our cognitive services is being pushed out as container images. Um, and there's a whole management platform and lifecycle around that connected with Azure uh, to bring those on-prem uh, or to end devices. Um, so you're certainly seeing a huge amount of container uplift there. Um, pretty much every team within Azure is running containers at some level now. Uh, so whether it's the Cosmos database team, uh, the functions team, web services, um, it's even hard for us to keep track of all the teams that are using containers now. Uh, they pop out of the woodwork all the time with uh, questions and uh, feedback and feature requests and all sorts of stuff. All right. So one recurring theme we've seen in a number of interviews and in people we've talked with this year, you know, Azure has been killing it, just, you know, growing at a phenomenal yeah. rate and, and really, uh, really competing with AWS and, and doing great in that market. Containers have been growing in usage as well. So, you know, this is one of those transition times where people have to look at a technology and make a decision to adopt or not. And I, I always think back to the 90s where people had to say, do I stick with Novell or do I pivot and go over to Windows? Yeah. And, and now you look and, and if, if you didn't pivot, then you were out of a job. So it looks like 2019 needs to be the year that people are moving into you know, leveraging containers and applications like that. Um, 
would you agree that that's, that's where people need to be focused for 2019? Or is this still a little bit further out to be our, our mainstream way of managing our applications? So I would say that I think people need to be thinking about their cloud strategy. Um, the, the operating system, in some ways, is becoming uh, a broader topic. The cloud ends up becoming kind of an operating system of itself. Um, and so when I think about the roles that we've traditionally thought of, of of ROS, where we put an application on it, it manages the resources for us, we can install and uninstall it. Uh, that's a lot of what the cloud platforms are doing now. I push my application to the cloud, I can manage it, and I can run it. And so even for people who aren't really ready to go to public cloud yet um, or uh, have a long roadmap to get there, I think you've got to start thinking about what that's going to look like. Maybe it's 10 years out. Um, and what I find is that containers are a really, really useful stepping stone towards that because it allows us to start to think about our applications as redeployable entities where we have to separate the state from the application. Um, and that's a journey. We're going to have to go through and do some work to get there. For some companies, that's a many, many year journey. Um, I was talking to a, a company the other day that's got 30,000 deployments they have to do, and they've got like 6,000 applications. Like, that's a lot of work. Um, so you're not going to do it overnight. And if you don't start now, it's going to take you even longer to get to a point where you can uh, make that transition. Um, and so I think that's what I would advise people to be thinking about is, how do I start to operate and think about um, my, my development, my deployments, in a way that's going to help me move to more agile platforms, whether that's Azure, AWS, Google, uh, something completely different, whatever it is, on-prem, or just the data center across the highway, um, there's going to be a movement in, in the 10-year horizon, and you're going to have to be ready for it. Well, you know, uh, I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, we get to interview a lot of people, and some people are varying levels of influence. With you being uh, involved in the, the uh, program team there at Microsoft, I want to take an opportunity to say the next time you guys have a brainstorming meeting and you're trying to figure out what to do next, I think the world's ready for a new version of Microsoft Bob. I think we've we've reached that point, <laughs> and uh, and you know just bring that up with the team, let them know. Uh, yeah, I, okay. <laughs> well, you've got uh, that box behind you here, Don. I I, I was thinking, I know, you know, are, are you going to go on eBay after this and, and try to get the box <laughs> that he had? Well, can you can we see that box again? The Virtual Server yeah. 2005. Yeah. I just want to make sure we get the Enterprise well, Edition. His is still in the shrink and, right? Yeah. That oh, is. yeah. I have the even more special one. I have the Japanese copy, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, those aren't in the Microsoft Store anymore, correct? We can't, no, we can't no, run over not. to Redmond and, okay. No. Yeah, it's back in the day. Uh, yeah. These are, these are my, my official You Shipped It box copies. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, the times, the times change so fast, don't they? Well, it's really exciting stuff. Uh, you know, before we, we wrap up the interview, are there any other things that you want to highlight? Any, any questions we didn't ask or things that we missed? Um, I would, you know, advise people, uh, you know, we think about containers as a dev tool often. Uh, we we talked quite a bit at Ignite this year as well as last year about, you know, how we bridge this gap between kind of the, the dev world and this DevOps world and, and how do we bring those together. I'm not a huge fan of the DevOps term because it it always has felt a little bit like you're just telling ops team, ops folks, they have to be developers. Um, but I do think there's some power in saying, hey, how do we change the way we work? How do we think about things a little differently? So, um, you know, if you're coming at this from a, an IT background and you're like, Ugh, they're telling me I got to be a dev again, you know, they're telling me I've got to think about it this way, um, you know, I'd, I'd 
guess I would recommend challenge your, your assumptions a little bit. Take a look at the session that we did at Ignite uh, and think about how do you play a role in kind of helping the, the broader team move towards these more agile technologies. Uh, I think you'll be surprised at how much that helps your uh, your career and and your enjoyment of your career. So I know if we want to find out what's going on with Microsoft, we could just turn on the TV or go to Microsoft.com. But if we want to find yeah. out what's going on with with your team specifically yeah. and and some of the news coming coming out of containers and those kinds of things, where are some good places to check out? So for containers, if you go to uh, aka.ms/containers, that'll link you off to our uh, our documentation. Um, and we're going to be doing a push to update the documentation over the next couple months as well. Um, the other place that I recommend people look at, uh, we have a blog that our team maintains. It's the virtualization blog. Uh, so if you just look for virtualization blog uh, Microsoft uh, in your favorite search engine, uh, you'll find it right away. Um, and that actually goes all the way back to Hyper-V days. Uh, and actually, even before that, I think we even still have virtual server content on there. Um, and so we've just maintained it. We've just continued to use that as a place where we talk about uh, you know, new announcements, new features, uh, changes that we're making, uh, all those kind of things. And, and I'm not just kissing up, but my favorite search engine is Bing because I do get Amazon gift cards uh, for searching. <laughs> I, I'm averaging about one a month, so pretty proud of that. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I'm right with you. I, I just cashed mine in for a Starbucks gift card, which I'm about to go get in a minute. There you go. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We won't keep you from that, uh, but we do want to thank you for taking the time uh, to join us today. And, and maybe we'll catch up at Ignite again next year and, and see what's new with the team. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, and thank you all of you for watching, but don't go away. We've got more on the Technado coming up right after this. My name is Dana Morrison. I'm the IT director at Grace Christian School in Raleigh, North Carolina. IT directors often hoard so much knowledge that it's hard for their team members to learn. IT Pro TV has given us the ability to level up our technicians to a point where they can decide this is important for me to learn. I would recommend IT Pro TV uh, to any IT team. It's just a great tool uh, for any IT professional. All right, welcome back to TechNado. Thanks for joining us for that interview, and thank you especially to Taylor for joining us all the way from the West Coast, where it's much earlier than it is over here uh, right now. And Don, what you think? Did it live up to uh, what you were hoping for there? Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to talk to him, and uh, I am going to be just crestfallen if we don't get a new Microsoft Bob next year. But uh, <laughs> but we'll see. You know, maybe you, you, you got to plant the seeds where you can and, and see what it turns into. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really surprised if next week we didn't <laughs> see uh, some new things back on this back wall, though, as well, if, you're, if you don't spend a little time on eBay after this and, and see what's available. But... Uh, uh, so I, I know that, that there's been some problems, right, with, with Windows Server 2019 in terms of its rollout? Yeah, you know, there was a uh, – honestly, it was a problem with upgrades, right, okay. where in certain scenarios of doing an upgrade for Windows 10 and Windows Server 2019 that some files can end up being deleted. Uh, they've corrected that as far as I know, and the rollout has either already started or is about to start again. It should have already started by now. Uh Thing is, with servers, we don't normally do in-place upgrades. They're the normally clean installs and you migrate data over. So it didn't really affect them, but Microsoft had, had to pull it anyway because it is a common core under the hood. Under the, hood. Uh, the upgrade process for Windows 10 and Windows Server 2019 are basically identical. So uh, so that caused a yank. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't really label it as like, oh, it's a problem with Windows Server 2019. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a problem with the upgrade system. If you're not upgrading, it's not a big thing to worry about at all. 
Sounds good. All right. Well, we wanted to let you know about a couple things coming up from IT Pro TV. First of all, we've got a few uh, webinars coming up here. Uh, if you go ahead and, and check out itpro.tv slash webinars, we've got a list of all the ones coming up and all the ones that have already happened that you can actually go ahead and download those as well and, and watch those videos, even if you're not able to join live. But if you are able to join live, you can ask questions and um, you know give us feedback right on the spot. And that's always helpful. We just did some really fun ones with uh, with the dark web. We had some some great uh, attendance, great responses there. So that was a lot of fun. And we're always looking for topics of new things to do. So let us know uh, if there's anything you want to see there. Uh, also want to let you know about an offer. If you're interested in learning more about IT Pro TV, well, check us out over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. That's right. That's a special offer for those of you watching or listening to the Technado. Uh, we've got uh, some 30% off promo codes there for you and some information about team pricing if that's um, something you're looking at getting for your business as well. So check that out over at go.itpro.tv slash Technado. Well, that's going to do it for us today here on the show. Don, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up and you get on eBay? Yeah, I think uh, I think everybody's got the message now. Like, if you're not leveraging containers in your environment, you need to be at least learning about it. Docker is free; you can download it, install it, and run it. If you've got a Windows Server install, you have access to Docker Enterprise. The license is is included in the base OS. So, jump in there, take advantage of it. Uh, it's a fun thing to learn too. It's it's always neat to learn something new and different. Containers certainly meet both those criteria. All right, sounds good. Well, looking forward to seeing what our interview is next week because they, they keep topping each other. So uh, thank you for joining us today, but check back for that for sure. And we will see you next time right here on Technado.